Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Come in to the awesomeo.com MMA strategy shows. We're here to get you ready for UFC Vegas number 51, which goes down on Saturday inside the UFC Apex there in Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by welterweight rematch, Luke M. Mohammed, and a range of other fights. We're going to break it down for you here over the next hour. Of course, we are sponsored by Prize Picks later on the show. We'll talk to you about Prize Picks, which, by the way, I was on Prize Picks a little earlier. We got some Bellator props over there. So uh, only on fight time, which I'm going to tell you on those Bellator prelim fight times, if it's a preliminary card, you might as well just smash the under because good chance that'll all come in because we all know what the Bellator preliminary cards ultimately ends up looking like. As always, I am joined by the fighter, a.k.a. the president of the Hamzat Shemaya fan club, Pete the Heat Rogers Jr. Pete, uh, you know, look, last week on the show, I said I want to see Shemaya weather some adversity. And boy, did he have the weather. That shot he he took in the second round probably ends the night for most welterweights. Show me something. And first off, he did something I've never seen in the UFC before. Just chilling on top of the cage before the by the way, he waits for his opponent to make the walk. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, you know, what a performance by Chemayev. And a lot of people may not have been that impressed because they thought it was going to be extremely dominant. I did think he was going to be dominant, but I also thought the fight was going to go a completely different direction. I did not expect him to go out there and uh, just completely throw down with Gilbert Burns on the feet and have no clear, like, takedown to ground and pound type of, uh, you know, game plan. And I do understand now of why he was a little bit worried about the jujitsu of Gilbert Burns. But, um, man, oh, man, that's a massive step up in competition, and he definitely passed the test. And I think that he, he showed that he can overcome adversity, um, that he has cardio. I mean, obviously, he had to slow down a little bit. You can't go 100% for, you know, 15 minutes. Not many people can do that. Um, and I do think that he showed that he has better striking than a lot of us really even knew. Um, I do think that the, you know, the takedowns into ground and pound is what separates him from the rest of the division. And I think that will be shown in other matchups going forward. Uh, but, man. I can't, I can't be disappointed in my boy Chamayev. I can't be disappointed with a lot of the rest of the other card. That was a historically poor card on, on my behalf. And, uh, you know, the, the Peter Jan losing to Aljamain Sterling was, was definitely one where, you know, it's just a good game plan about winning rounds and Aljamain Sterling getting the back, controlling, controlling the fight for the large majority is definitely going to bank you some rounds. Yeah, you look over at DK, all the top five score, scores on the card were 8,000 above Volkanovski 
who came in with 133.16. Fluff Hernandez looked great. Mike Malat, Chamayev, Alexio Linick. Uh, Aljo was the number six scorer. He only scored 85.93 points with 6.9K. I mean, you have him in your lineup. You knew you're a good position. Only four fighters last week had over 100 points. Uh, you know, mentioned, you know, Scott talked about Julio Arce missing weight by a pound and winning. He goes, when we see a fighter miss weight, should we, all, we always be alarmed? I think you always have to have some type of alarm up when a fighter misses weight. I mean, look, he didn't look good on the scale. I mean, let's just no. be honest about it. He didn't look good on the scale. That's why, you know, as you know, I mean, we're talking about the fights here, but tomorrow we're going to be looking at these guys on the scale and, and ladies and say, was there someone that stuck out to you? I mean, it's just, it's, it's part of the thought process. And uh, Jared Vandera, bro, what are you doing? He's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, my buddy, Josh said, but, but before last week, it was like, uh, you're asking a fighter with no IQ to have some fight IQ. And that couldn't have been more on point. And uh, yeah, good, good call on the Alexi Olenek submission. That was just like a, I don't know. It, it, that was just a, it was a weird card. The, the second when Julio Arce, who looked like he was on death's door at the weigh-ins, then looked fresh and fine during the wake, uh, during the actual fight. I was like, ah, it's going to be one of these nights, is it? And uh, it kind of just threw me for a loop because I've seen a lot of weigh-ins. And I'd probably say 75% of the time when you see a fighter on the scale looking like that, where the medical staff might be pulling you from the, from the bout, it tends to go in the direction of their opponent. And, uh, you know, it, it made me get off the Julio Arce bandwagon for that and uh, take some shots on an, a somewhat ugly card on, on Santos. But man, oh man, that couldn't have been, you know, further from the truth. Arce just kind of stuck and move and, and basically just outpointed them throughout the whole contest. Come on, you know, some commission, as long as you have a pulse, you can fight. That's crazy, though. But you know what I mean? And, and oh, it's, yeah. so, it, it's crazy. Like, if I looked at that and I was the commissioner, I probably would have pulled them, to be honest. I've seen a lot of fights, a lot of guys. If you're needing assistance and you're you're looking like you're going to faint and I don't know, regardless, we're on to a new week. This, this card, I'll tell you what, you're going to be on the edge of your seat, probably for the large majority of it, because there's a lot of tilting matchups here. And this is another one where GPPs are going to be extremely weird. And there are some spots where I feel safe, but plenty of matchups where I can definitely see both sides getting a getting a victory. Especially when you have some big favorites on this card. Before we get into the main event, be sure to give us a like and subscribe so you can keep up with all of our shows, DFS offers, giveaways, and so much more. Once you're subscribed, hit that notification button so you know when a show goes live here on the channel. And if you're not an Osmo Plus member, you want to get a little peek what's behind the paywall. Today's free premium data and tools our MLB main slate ownership projections and NHL ownership projections. Of course, we do have our podcast giveaway going on as well. All you got to do is head over to the also podcast channel. Give us a five-star review with your Twitter handle or awesome username. And you'll be entered to win a free month of awesome plus platinum. Uh, but Pete, let's get right into it. Main event. We got a rematch. Their first matchup took place at UFC 205. Since then, Conor McGregor's only won one fight. <laughs> just throwing that out there. We got Vicente Luque taking on Bilal Muhammad. Uh, we, we talked about this on our betting um, video that we had over on the Odd Shopper channel. I mean, look, and, and you know, one of the questions I already saw kind of coming in there and say is, can uh, can Muhammad avoid getting knocked out by Luque like their first fight? Luque is dangerous. I do think the smaller cage is a benefit 
to Muhammad in this one. I mean, look, he he can't get into a brawl. Plain and simple. Um, this is a fight that I want to get to both sides when we're talking about GPPs. 8,500 for Sente Luque, 7,700 for, for Muhammad. I, th- I think the one fight that we look at, Bilal, it, it's that Stephen Thompson fight. Yeah, for sure. So I am extremely interested in this bout. And as we saw last week, uh, rematches don't necessarily have to go the same way the first one went and it's been some time and we have fully, we, we, we definitely have seen an evolution to Bilal Muhammad's game where he's less inclined to stand and bang and more inclined to engage in a grappling and takedown type of game plan. And I definitely think that's his path to victory because of the two, who's the more dangerous? It's definitely Vicente Luque. He's definitely more dangerous. He could definitely find the finish via KO, TKO or submission even. Um, he's, he's just a prolific finisher for this division. And, uh, I really love both guys just from a personal standpoint, but also from, um, a DFS standpoint, I like getting to both guys. And for this matchup, I will have split exposure. Now I will say that, um, you know, we, we have seen Muhammad get knocked down several times in the past, but we've also, we've also seen Vicente Luque, uh, get sit down a little bit as well in some, some wars, like he's been in some crazy wars and, uh, Anytime that he goes wide with some shots, I do expect Bilal Muhammad to kind of close the distance and look to engage in some in some takedowns. So uh, I'll have split exposure. I'll be I'll be getting to ton of this fight, but I am going to lean towards the underdog in Bilal Muhammad. I do think that um, he could win rounds. I, I see this going one of two ways: either Vicente Luque knocks him out, or Bilal Muhammad wins a decision. I just I, I can really see this being an action-packed game. Um, a game plan for, for both guys and uh, the smaller cage is just going to make me lean a little bit towards Bilal Muhammad. But uh, as far as like a betting standpoint, um, I think that there's be- there's better spots on the card, but for DFS, the price point of 8,500 and 7,700 and five round bout, you have to have exposure to both sides, but it's a lean towards Muhammad. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned about those knockdowns. The last time Blow Muhammad was knocked down in a fight, you got to go back to 2019, beginning of 2019 against Jeff Neal. That was the last time uh, Muhammad has been knocked down. But I mean, look, if you if you tell me this thing is hitting the fourth round, to me, it is. Uh, it's Blow all day long. I, I just think it really favors if this thing goes. But if you tell me this fight ends within 15 minutes, yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a Luke win. But, um, you know, look, the price point is intriguing there, but I would say um, I'm more intrigued on going with the underdog uh, in this situation. Yeah, so, I mean, we've seen Vicente Luque um, struggle at times defending wrestlers, uh, especially wrestlers where he cannot find a submission against. Um, obviously, Michael Chiesa just leaves his neck out there and got Darce choked pretty easily. And anybody that gets a little lazy will get Darce choked in the grappling situation. But uh, Michael Graves, um, we, we, we've seen it multiple times. I forget the other fighter, uh, Nathan Coy, I believe it was uh, on the Ultimate Fighter, where they, they can have success against, you know, in the takedown department. And gra- you know, obviously that's a very, very long time ago. But I do think that Bilal Muhammad is starting to show wrinkles of his game where this is a competitive fight. You're talking about on any given day, one of these guys can spoil each other. So uh, give me Muhammad. I think that he's, you know, somewhat going underappreciated, you know, because of his, uh, because of the volatility of getting knocked out. But I definitely think that he has a path to victory. So leaning towards Muhammad. It's kind of interesting when you look at this fight car, when you talk about fight placement, the fact of our next fight was put into the co-main event spot, kind of surprised by that, yeah. uh, of two guys making their UFC debut, two guys who have coming off the contender series. you got one guy actually fought twice in the contender series, mm-hmm. another one who fought once, and that'd be uh, Godzi. I was actually watching his contender series fight uh, right before the show, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I mean, he, look, he was able to get the takedown, um, 
took a, took a huge risk and going for the leg lock. It, it ultimately works out for him. That's, that's a, you, we, I talk with fires all the time about this, you know, managing risk versus reward. Like yeah. that is the most risky thing to me to do when you're in a dominant position and you decide to go for a leg lock. Cause if you don't get that thing, you don't get the submission. You're going to put yourself in an awful position. Yeah, absolutely. And you're in a position to just get, you know, ground and pounded like crazy. And uh, he, he was getting hit with some big shots. It just so happened that he he was able to withstand those and uh, basically just still pursue that that leg lock and got the knee bar finish. But I feel like a submission win against Kyle Bahio is going to be extremely difficult because uh, Kyle comes from an extensive jujitsu background, uh, training with Damian Maya, basically for a large majority of his life, um, a, a strong judo competitor as well. I really like his striking too. I think that he has some elusive striking with some pop. The, the issue always is, is if people can get blanketed by a strong wrestler, uh, a strong Russian wrestler, Benghazi definitely should have that game plan going forward. But uh, I don't know, man, I, I, I really do like Kyle Bahio and I liked him in both of his Dana White contender series fights. I, I bet both of them uh, both times 7,800. I definitely think that there is um, some upside there. Uh, I, I do think that he's the better striker and, you know, Godzi has faced I would say somewhat softer competition and what happens if his go-to moves just do not work. And this tends to be a striking matchup. I think that Kyle is going to excel in a matchup like that, but uh, you know, the, it, it's weird. It's 185, not necessarily my favorite weight class for certain matchups. And um, I'll be leaning towards Kyle Bahio. I think that at 7,800, there's just value on his side, given all of his skills. And I definitely think that the ceiling within the UFC is a lot higher for him than Godzi. Yeah, this is one of those fights that I kind of feel like it's in a way it's kind of a pick 'em fight. You know, I don't, I don't favor one guy more more than the other. But I mean, look, you you have two guys who've got that grappling base, and you know, more times than not, when we see that ultimately ends up being a fight that most likely plays out on the feet. Now, my second favorite fight on this card is the next matchup, and that's Miguel Baeza and Andre Fijo. Miguel Baeza, eighty seven hundred. Andre Fijo, seventy five hundred. When we talk about value on under 8,000 fighters, Andre Filho is one of those guys for me this week because, I mean, look, you know, you could sit there and potentially have some chin questions about Miguel Baez. He does tend to get into a lot of wars here. But when I'm looking at that under 8,000 range over on DraftKings, of course, we don't have FanDuel salaries out at this point. Andre Filho is one of these guys I'm looking at this week. Yeah, I, I don't blame you. And, you know, for MMA slates, especially with slates with this many fights, you know, people that are just necessarily going off of who we're picking in the matchup and not how we're necessarily explaining how exposure should work or how we should sprinkle some underdogs may not understand this. And uh, this is a matchup where I could definitely see the underdog coming through. But Miguel Baeza definitely has fought some tough competition within the UFC, uh, going the distance with Santiago Ponzinibbio and where he, he was hurt a lot. It's the KO loss to Chaos Williams that's kind of like sticking out like a sore thumb. And, you know, recency bias is a real thing in this in this game. And everybody's going to – you're only as good as your last fight. So they're really going to, you know, harp on that last defeat. I do think that Andre hits extremely hard. And in his debut against Michelle Pereira, you did see that. He threw 135 significant strikes, but he only landed 45. So that accuracy is not necessarily something that we love. Um, you know, you have Miguel Baeza who threw 249 significant strikes against Santiago Ponzinibbio and landed 104. So they're both willing to go to war. 
I'm expecting that Miguel Baeza is the sharper of the two in regards to a, a, just a, a smart game plan sticking to the outside. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Getting into a war has cost him in the past. Now, could he go out there and have poor fight IQ and, IQ and do the same thing? Absolutely. Andre Fialo could definitely capitalize. And at 7,500, he's one, uh, a fighter within that range that I will be putting in my long shot pool because he definitely has power to, to change the fight in one shot. So I am expecting Miguel Baeza to just be the better fighter for 15 minutes um, or as long as it lasts. And uh, I, I think that he has some sneaky jujitsu as well that a lot of people might be you know, underestimating in a situation like this, if he needs to go to that. Now, it's a tough fight, volatile fight, target both sides, but I'm leaning towards Baeza. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it, it's a tough one. And of course, you know, he's coming off that that loss of Chaos Williams. This could be a, a volatile fight. I mean, this could be a boom bust type fight, yeah. you know, but but when I'm looking at, you know, those under 8,000 options, I mean, look, we're coming off a week where they just didn't come through for us. Mm-hmm. It is is more of, okay, who's going to have that option to potentially get me 85, 90, 100 type points? And potentially maybe that is Andre Filho this week. It's just one of those fights that I do think you have to consider in terms of GPPs. Now, if you want to get access to all the great tools and content we have over awesomeo.com, you got to sign up for an Also Plus weekly pass. You can get that for $29.95. This includes full access, all the premium content and tools on awesomeo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, lineup builder, and much more. And if you're just looking to play MMA DFS, you can sign up for an Awesome Plus MMA package, which start as low as $2.95 weekly. Of course, Fantasy Cruncher is a add-on and can be easily be added with those packages at checkout, but it's not included in our base packages. Stop guessing, start winning, join Awesome Plus today. Of course, uh, Fantasy Cruncher is such huge for me when I'm developing uh, not just my MMA lines, but developing my, my baseball lineups and every NASCAR lineups. Ups, uh, everything we got going on over here at awesomeo.com. I know Pete's big into uh, playing MLB baseball. Uh, MLB is uh, not treating me too good so far this, this start of season. I need to get, you know, it's been, it's been a little, little rough start here for me. Yeah, it's been it's been a rough couple of weeks. I've been getting backhanded left and right. And uh, no, it's okay though. I mean, that that's just how DFS is, right? The swings of DFS, and no matter who you are, you're going to experience it. Even the top players, you're going to have down weeks, and then. You know, next thing you know, you're going to have your best weeks coming up. It's just a matter of sticking to your process. As long as your process is correct, then you should be happy with everything. It's you can't always get the correct picks because some strange things happen in every sport, uh, especially in MMA. Next up, we've got a female matchup, Silva and Yanan. Silva, 9,300. Yanan is 6,900. Both these ladies come into this fight following a loss. Pete, what's your take? Yeah, my take is that uh, Myra Bueno Silva should get this done pretty easily, to be honest. I, I think that she's the better fighter, uh, the better overall fighter in a situation like this. Um, her wins have been somewhat weird because they've been quick submission finishes. Um, and then in, in her losses, she's just kind of outstruck and and dominated sometimes. And uh, she's faced some tough competition where Wu Yanan necessarily hasn't. 
I think that this is a tremendous step down in competition going from Manon Firo to Wu Yanan. And that doesn't necessarily translate into instant success, but I'm going to think that the odds are extremely wide. And for women's MMA, anything can happen. And they shouldn't, shouldn't be this odd. I mean, this wide. But I think that uh, Mayra Bueno Silva should win this pretty decisively. I just don't think at 9,300, she's going to score all that well. Even in two first round finishes, she scored 91 points against Romero Barella and 95 against Jillian Robertson. Um, she hasn't attempted a takedown in the UFC, you know, and she's had five fights in the UFC. So unless she does that, this fight, I don't necessarily see how she's going to smash value. I think that she's going to win a decisive uh, decision here, but at 9,300, unlike last week where we had tons of 9,000 options that really like made our eyes light up. I think there's tons of 9,000 options that are safe wins, but poor performers. If you guys understand what I mean. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the, the price tag to me. It becomes a price tag uh, yeah. equation. I mean, look, am I going to get to her in GPPs? Yes, but do I want to get to a ton because of that price point? No, not really. There, there's some other 9,000 options I'd rather get to. Uh, and one of those 9,000 options potentially is Pat Sabatini taking on TJ Laramie. Oh Laramie 7,000, Sabatini 9,200. Of course, uh, I already know kind of Pete's thoughts on, on this one. Um, you know, TJ Laramie, you want to talk about being short at 145 pounds. Yeah. He is a five foot six. Music to my ears when I used to fight at 45. Music to my ears. I'm like, yes, great. <laughs> obviously, obviously, these guys that are compact, they're they're pretty strong, but uh, they, they definitely have to deal with the length and just being in a weight class that they don't necessarily belong in. And uh, I think that Laramie has tons of skills. And I really thought that he was going to have some success in the UFC, and he definitely still could. But he's, he hasn't done himself any favors. Um, losing to Derek Minner, that looked like a pretty soft matchup for him. And uh, going against a guy in Derek Minner who, you know, can get controlled in a lot of grappling situations and give up in certain ones. But he's extremely live to score submission wins. And that, that's exactly what happened there. And you saw TJ Laramie get a little lackadaisical, and Derek Minner capitalized. You mean to tell me that you're going to lose to Derek Minner via submission? You're not going to lose to Patrick Sabatini via submission? I have a very, very hard time seeing that. If this fight stays on the feet, obviously I'm a little worried, but I do think that Patrick Sabatini is the real deal in regards to just his submission skills and just overall MMA game. I know him. I, I know his coach pretty well, Daniel Gracie, and uh, they just always come prepared. Hensel Gracie Philly is just one of the – a really strong gym that a lot of people don't talk about. And I think that it's going to show in this matchup. So 9,200, I really like him here. I think that he's just going with a full camp. He's going to put on a show. And I definitely like Patrick Sabatini for the, uh, the prop at, uh, win via submission as a little sprinkle as well. So 9,200, I think that he's a way better 9,000 option than Mayra Bueno Silva. You know, the one thing about TJ Laramie, I mean, th this has been when you talk about Fighters that have been considered some of the best products that come out of Canada over the past couple of years. TJ Laramie was a name everyone talked about. Yeah. And the fact of it was September 2020, the last time we saw him in there, he was a massive favorite in that one, gets choked out. Um, you know, what kind of differences do we see him in here? But yeah, I do. I think Sabatini, I mean, look, it's, I think the question is, is just if, if Pat can't get a stoppage victory, can he be optimal at that price point? I, I think that's really the question mark with this one. Yeah, that's definitely the question mark. But I do think that, say, even in the decision win, right, you would imagine that he would still score better than Mayra Bueno Silva, who I'm expecting to win. Mm -hmm. 
but for the most part, she just likes to strike. And uh, I think that she doesn't have the same upside as a grappler like Patrick Sabatini, where even if he can't find the sub, you know, I, I expect him to get some takedowns. I just truly do. I think that he's shown that he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist and is going to push for it at all costs. Of course, next up, we got a matchup that just came together this week as Munir Laziz was supposed to take on Aliski Dos Santos. However, uh, Dos Santos pulled out of this matchup, and now you got uh, a fire coming in who's coming off a win against John Howard uh, in Lusa, 8-2, and two, coming off a win there in XMMA. XMMA, by the way, people are not paying attention. Uh, guys who are getting wins on those shows, a lot of UFC fighters uh, that have been on those shows, uh, Kyle Bokniak, who's been uh, fighting for them, uh, he is now in the PFL. He's stepping up to take on Bubba Jenkins in their featherweight tournament. So a uh, big opportunity there for uh, Kyle Bokniak here. Uh, but, uh, you know, Munir coming here, you know, I mean, obviously it was if when he was facing on Dos Santos, this was one of the fights I was looking at, like, man, this could be an exciting fight, you know. Yeah. But now you got a guy stepping up here on just a couple of days notice. Yeah, I don't necessarily hate it, though, to be honest, because, like, I thought that Munir Lezez was really, really going to be for a hard time against Zaleski Dos Santos. I just, I really like Zaleski Dos Santos. I know that age is creeping up on him. And uh, Munir, Munir Lezez showed in his debut that he has a ton of skills. Um, but if you really think about it, man, like, Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is not the guy that we thought. He's just not he and uh, maybe that win isn't the same in 2022 as it was back in 2020. Um, you know, the the loss to Worley Alves, definitely something that was a, a difficult one to absorb. You know, the body kicks the ground and pound. Um, I, I definitely know that Munir Lazez is out in Vegas getting some cross training in. And I do think that the one thing going out and looking at his regional tape is his inability to defend takedowns sometimes. And Angelusa has some sneaky takedowns. And even in the Jack Della Maddalena fight, even in his previous fight against John Howard, we did see uh, Angelusa go to that takedown well and even compete on the feet pretty well. And I'm telling you what, I think that Jack Della Maddalena has got the goods. Like I, you guys know, like I'm, I'm big on him as a prospect within the sport. So I'm waiting for the prices to come out for this. I don't believe we I have it yet. No, but, it's not out yet, but we we base it on the betting odds. I expect yeah. uh, Munir to be anywhere from eighty-seven to eighty-nine hundred. Really? Well, he's he's a two-to-one betting favorite. Okay. Yeah. So if well, you like look at it, like if you just want to take the betting odds mm. aspect of this, uh, Alatang is minus one eighty. We're going to talk about him later on. He's eighty-eight hundred. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. That's kind of like music to my ears. Is finding an underdog with some wrestling upside because. I actually think that I'm going to pick Angelusa in a matchup like this. I, I understand that he hasn't fought the UFC fighters yet. He hasn't fought Abdul Razak Al-Hassan or Warley Alves, but, you know, fighting a former UFC fighter and John Howard, who's at the tail end of his career. Uh, but Jack Della Maddalena, one of the best prospects in a back and forth type of bout where he could land takedowns. I want to see the prices, but I think that I'm going to go towards Angelusa with some upside, truthfully. Yeah, I mean, you look at both of his losses, they're both uh, decision losses there. But, yeah, that's what I would kind of expect there for salaries. Of course, FanDuel salaries are not out. As we do this show, we'll move on to the next matchup, as it is a at heavyweight William Knight and Devin Clark. William Knight, 7,600. Devin Clark, 8,600. Uh, you know, obviously, we, we saw what happened with William Knight. 
in his last fight. I mean, he's he's a I want to say he's five foot nine. I mean, he's a he's a stocky guy, um, you know. And and Devin Clark, you know, to me, if it's Devin Clark, if I'm in Devin Clark's corner, I'm trying to wear down William Knight. You, you, you know, get put him up against the cage and limit uh, making this a kickboxing matchup. Yeah, and I think that Devin Clark does that naturally. He pins all of his opponents against the cage. He likes to wear on them. He likes to avoid danger at all costs because I don't think that he has the best chin, to be honest. Um, we have seen him get knocked out. Uh, and just he's a guy that when you see him get hit, he does not enjoy getting hit. And that's like something when you're watching film, you can tell that certain people deal with getting hit better. And I will tell you that uh, Devin Clark does not deal with it well. And that's something – where, where I'm going to get some exposure to William Knight. Like, I'm not going to write him off in a situation like this because if he wins, it's because he touches your chin and he puts you out mm-hmm. or he chains together takedowns. And I don't think he's going to get takedowns against Devin Clark. I think Devin Clark will be getting the takedowns in this matchup um, and pushing a pace that William Knight necessarily can't sustain. Um, but if anybody's live in that underdog spot to find the chin and get a knockout win, you would, you would imagine that William Knight has that potential. So... I'll be picking Devin Clark at 8,600, but similar to uh, Andre Fialo, William Knight's in that underdog KO pool, definitely at 7,600. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of what, what scares you a little bit. William Knight has been showing uh, about going to decision. And, yeah. you know, at 7,600, I just don't know in decision win if he if he could score enough that would ultimately get – because, you know, uh, you don't look at him as, as someone who's going to look to utilize uh, his wrestling there. Uh, next up, uh, let me bring you this comment from uh, ELO22. He says, if Clark can control his fight on the ground, I think he wins. But Knight is a powerful striker and is live for a KO at any moment. He's got to avoid those big shots, keep Knight – on the ground, and then Joshua says, he goes, I feel like William Knight's power is overrated. Um, I, I don't hate either one of those comments, to be honest. I, I do think that William Knight hits hard. Like, I, you know, he definitely hits hard. But um, some of his spectacular performances have been against some, I don't know, not necessarily soft competition, but the kid on Contender Series where um, he just got the guillotine. Remember, he got destroyed. Uh, he's from Factory X. And he got destroyed, and then he pulled out that last-second guillotine like a couple weekends ago. Um, I forget his name. Oh, uh, Cody Brundage. Cody Brundage, yes. Uh, like, he hit him. He does not like getting hit as well. Um, you know, you have a, a KO over Fabio Charant. Did not have the best success in the UFC. Um, you know what I mean? Like, he hits really hard, but he's just a powerhouse. So that if you have to give him his flowers on some things, it's that he can get good takedowns if he's the better wrestler in a situation like that or he's just going to try to punish you when you engage with them. So um, I definitely agree with what they're saying. And I think that Devin Clark should do enough in a matchup like this, where, you know, he attempts a ton of takedowns, like over 10 takedowns in multiple fights. So he just needs to land one around. And I think he'd be all right. Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. We'll get to your questions at the end of the show. Of course, this is the awesome MMA strategy shows. We're getting you ready for UFC Vegas number 51. We are sponsored by prize picks. Be sure to use the promo code awesome for hundred up to hundred dollar first match to pot as a bonus. Of course, be sure to use all the prop tools we have over awesome.com to help build your lineup and get one free month of awesome plus buy them. When you sign up, use the link in the description of this video and make a deposit at prize picks. You'll receive an email within 24 to 40 hours to redeem your free month of also plus platinum. And when I was over on prize picks earlier today, got a little excited, Pete, because I saw yeah. we got some Bellator props over there at price picks it stuck out to me and i was like oh we got some bellator fight time i i was like oh man Pete, i am 
Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this football season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/get100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. I'm just telling you right now, uh, if you, you know, I know, uh, you know, if Prize Picks is available in your state, which it is here in Florida, I am going to be hammering some of these Prize Picks lines over there on, on Bellator, especially on these undercards over there at Bellator. I'll, I'll tell you the ones that that the first one that jumped out to me, Pete, was the fight time of four minutes for Tyrell Fortune taking on Raheem Cleveland. Just give me the under. I'm not even questioning it. Just give me the under. I think he I takes Raheem Cleveland down and he hammers about. I haven't done any tape study on Bellator yet, so I'll have to take your word for it. But I do, I do think that Tyrell Fortune is pretty good. I'll tell you the other ones over um, in terms of Bellator. The Aaron Pico five minutes. He's now taking on Adley Edwards. Adley Edwards stepping up here on short notice as uh, his initial opponent Jeremy Kennedy pulled out of the matchup due to an injury. That is one um, that does stick out to me. Um, also, in terms of uh, on the UFC fight time. Pat Sabatini, right now that number is at 14 and three quarters. I like the under in that one. Um, those are the ones that really stick out to me uh, in, in terms of the fight times over there. Uh, takedowns, uh, as I was looking at this one, there wasn't a ton that really really stuck out to me that I just thought was a, a great number over there. But one that uh, I will tell you I might be looking at the under on is Hoffa Garcia under two and a half takedowns. Yeah, I, I ooh. Yeah, I, I don't hate that one. Um, I do think that Ronson's going somewhat overlooked on this card. I'm just saying, when you look at all those those Bellator fights, there's a reason. Some people in the MMA community may call the Bellator prelims the human sacrifice hour. That may be a term you see on MMA Twitter tomorrow night. <laughs> it just happens. More times than not, a lot of the fights on the Bellator, especially the local fights, yeah, tend to not last very long. Yeah, no, you know what's going on. Uh, look, th- this is here's a good piece of advice. If you're looking, you're going to play these props over at Prize Picks. Just uh, go on the Fighters Tapology, see if they're a local fighter. If they are, smash the under. <laughs> Just be honest, bro. Just be honest. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. 
Yeah, I just I can't experience this because it's not legal in my state. So if you guys can definitely take take up uh, what Jason's saying. Yeah, so of course. Uh, be sure to play over there at Prize Picks. Of course, get one free month of also plus platinum when you sign up, deposit, and play over at Prize Picks. Of course, you get an email within twenty four to forty hours of how you can take advantage of that free month of Osmo plus platinum. We'll move over to another female matchup. You got Landsberg taking on Kianza. Kianza ninety one hundred. 7100 for Landsberg. And uh, this is one where to me it, it's it's played the favorite or pass on the fight. I love Penny Kianza. I just really do. I think that she's a very talented fighter, not necessarily the best DFS performer. Um, because in all of her wins in the UFC, uh, she hasn't broke 80 fantasy points. I do think that she is just a safe win for a lot of parlays. I think for um you know, expecting it to go the distance. It, it's definitely possible and usually is for women's MMA. I do think that she is a much improved fighter now than she was back when they first had their encounter. Uh, so Penny Kianzad, I think, has some sneaky uh, upside in a matchup against Lena Landsberg, who has been dealing with inactivity and also just inconsistency throughout her, uh, throughout her UFC tenure. I don't necessarily think that she's going to be able to get takedowns against Penny. I think Panny's going to be able to do whatever she wants. If she wants to get a takedown, she can. She wants to keep it on the fight and treat her like a punching bag. I think that she can. Lena Landsberg's not a bad striker. Uh, she got her nickname, the Elbow Queen, for a reason. I just view Panny Kianza on such higher regard in 2022 than I do Lena Landsberg. So Panny's a very safe fighter for a lot of my parlays and, and somebody I will be getting ownership to. It's just pretty similar situation that the mayor of Buena Silva's in where I expect them to be safe wins. It's just, do they score well enough? I mean, I think that they're facing bottom end competition compared to what they have been facing. So they both could find finishes on a, on a card like this and that maybe they could outperform their, their usual, um, their usual points. But uh, I really like Panty today. Landsberg hasn't fought in two years, 40 years old. Let me ask you, who do you think her best UFC win is against? Lucy Padova, Gina Mazzani, Tanya Evinger, or Macy Chason? It's got to be Macy, especially in this day and age. I think that Macy's yeah. pretty talented, but uh, I don't know. I mean, that fight, she didn't really do a lot. I mean, she banked some rounds in, but uh, she didn't score that well. 67 fantasy points, and yeah, Lena Landsberg win. She'd have to absolutely do something spectacular for, for me to want to consider her, and I don't see that happening. I think Panny's a pretty safe win. Yeah, the, the only thing that definitely sticks out to you about uh, Panny, the last time uh, that she got a stoppage victory, you got to go back to 2014. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think that she's more than capable. A lot of fighters don't start finding finishes, and all of a sudden, like, Tanner Bozer started knocking everybody out, and he mm -hmm. had, like, 90% decisions. You know what I mean? And for women's MMA, it's even less likely that fin finishes occur, especially for stand-up. But I think that Panny has definitely the striking edge in a situation like this. Next up, we have got a matchup of another big favorite, Jakar Close, taking on Brand Jenkins. Jakar Close uh, at 9,400 on DraftKings, 6,800 for Brandon Jenkins. And, of course, uh, Brandon Jenkins stepped up on short notice to make his UFC debut at uh, back last year and proceeded to get taken down six times that matchup. Jakar Close... You know, you see that number. His mindset's got to be take this fight to the ground. He definitely could, and he should. Uh, he went, attempted seven against Christos Giagos, six against Bobby Green, 
seven against David Taymor, seven against Mark Chikasey. So I think there's a an easy path to just ragdoll and Brandon Jenkins. Uh, that's Brandon Jenkins. One path to victory is just landing something stupid. And uh, when you're extremely unorthodox, you bail yourself out of bad positions uh, just by throwing some crazy spinning techniques, elbow techniques, flying knees. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he's like a better fighter than Jakar Close at all. And the odds suggest that Jakar Close should make quick work of him. And if you've seen who's Jakar has, has fought, I mean, Benil Dariush, Christos Jagos, Bobby Green, Lando Venata, it, it Mark Jacasey, like strong, strong competition where Brandon Jenkins hasn't, uh, you know, he got destroyed against uh, Rongju. Um, and this is a pretty easy spot for Jakar Close if he's the same fighter. And I want to kind of expand upon that. But at 9,400, I think that he represents some of the best upside on the slate because it's it's takedown upside, it's KO upside, and it, maybe even submission upside. Uh, I just think that he's just a, the, the way better fighter. But we do remember where Jakar Close has been dealing with some like concussion issues since that that whole issue on the yeah, at the weigh-ins where he got shoved. And my, my buddy Josh you know, brought it up to me before the show, and it was a great point. And... I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, you, you hear about athletes, especially NFL players where like, I don't know, job at best is a guy that I, I don't know, I, for some reason always sticks out to me where concussions, once they start experiencing them, they're, they're usually never the same. And that's something you don't want to hear for MMA fighters, but it's hard for me to like, you know, want to put Brandon Jenkins into my lineups just because of that. I'm definitely going to be favoring Jakar close. I think that he wins 90% of the time. And I think the odds are fine. Next up, we have got a match between Hoffa Garcia and Jesse Ronson. Jesse Ronson, 8,000, 8,200 for Hoffa Garcia. Sneaky fight. Very sneaky fight because Hoffa Garcia, you know, shoots a ton of takedowns. Uh, he, he attempted 12 against Natan Levy, 12 against Chris Kurtzmacher. Um, and, you know, I think that Jesse Ronson is pretty strong. And he's defended eight takedowns against Michelle Perzeris. Obviously, that was back in 2013. Um, and defended eight takedowns against Kevin Lee. That was back in 2014. And uh, stepping up on short notice against Nicholas Dalby, ended up having a spectacular performance. And uh, I think that Ronson is one of the best underdogs on the slate because I'm not convinced that Hoffa Garcia is all that good, truthfully. Um, I, I know that. Kurtz Gritzmacher, you know, kind of put a pace on him and backed him up and, you know, just kind of was there, present, and didn't give in to the pressure of Hoffa Garcia. And you saw Hoffa not really be able to handle that all that well. And I like Jesse Ronson. I think he hits really hard. I think he's just a very talented fighter that hasn't really had the success. And if you look at his box scores, if somebody doesn't know what they're doing and they're just going to see he lost three straight uh, between 2013 and 2014, and then in the second time in the UFC, he just technically had his his win overturned. So he hasn't scored over 20 fantasy points. So if people are basing their decisions off of that, Jesse Ronson is going to look like one of the worst plays on the slate. But I promise you that he's a lot better than what his box scores represent. Yeah, I mean, Jesse Ronson, I mean, veteran of this game. You know, been around for a long time, but mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. There's people going to look at those box scores and they're, and they're going to kind of say, I ah, don't necessarily want to go there, but yeah, as long as he can stop the takedown, I, I do like him here uh, in this spot. Next up, we got a heavyweight matchup, Chris Barnett and Martin Boudet, Boudet 9,000 Barnett 7,200. Uh, I mean, look, Chris Barnett, I mean, look, he's, he's one of these guys. He's always been a, a fun, exciting fighter to watch. Um, when he got into UFC last year, I will tell you, I was surprised. I, I did not think he would get to the UFC, but he gets here. But man, I, I don't, I don't like him in this spot at all. 
Yeah, I think that he's just an entertainer, right? Like he's such an exciting guy. He's a phenomenal ticket seller and local legend down there in your area. And it's just like a guy that a lot of people loved. He's a fun guy to watch. He's going to go out there and he's uh, just going to do unorthodox things for for most heavyweights. And uh, anytime that somebody's throwing spinning hook kicks, it's definitely wild for that division. Um, and I, I do think that he is susceptible to just getting exposed again in certain situations. I'm not like all convinced that uh, Martin Boudet is like, you know, a fantastic fighter by any means, but I feel like he's a physical guy that Chris Barnett could struggle against just because uh, if, if Barnett gets pressed against the cage in the small octagon, you know, you did see uh, Boudet have some success with some knees in the clinch and uh, just weighing on his opponent. I, I do think that he is, you know, a sneaky fighter in the 9,000 range that could end up pulling off a, a finish. Uh, it is heavyweight MMA. It's either going to be a sloppy 15 minutes or somebody's going to go take a nap. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like Martin Boudet could be the the A side in this situation. And obviously he's, he's you know, priced accordingly at like a minus 240 favorite at 9,000. I'm okay with it. I'm going to side with uh, Martin Boudet here. I think that Chris Barnett really just you know, performed admirably in a, in a spot where Jean Vellante was kind of just one foot in, one foot out. Yeah, I mean, look, the one thing about Boudet when he uh, has fighting in contender series, to me, it was a showcase fight for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Lorenzo Hood on the regional scene, just man, how nice do you want me to be? Yeah. Not great records he was going against. Let's just say yeah. that. Yeah. Um, you know, and so when he got on the contender series, I was absolutely floored by that. Uh, I do think this, you know, I mean, look, the one thing is, I mean, Barnett, is he going to be the undersized guy in terms of height and reach in this matchup? So, I mean, look, you're going, he's going to throw some funky strikes out there. I mean, it's just what he does. It's he's always been that way. And, uh, you know, someone was asked about who he's trained with uh, for a long time. He was actually one of the, the key guys that Alistair Overing would bring in, um, yeah. to, you know, get some sparring rounds in there. Uh, next up, we got a matchup between Jordan Levitt and Trey Ogden. Trey Ogden, 8,300. Jordan Levitt, 7,900. Already shaking your head. Bro, I hate this fight. I might turn off my TV. I mean, look, I like Trey Ogden this spot. The best way I can put this, he's just a better overall fighter. Jordan, Jordan, the thing about if I'm Levitt, I might if I'm him, I might just pull guard. Yeah, I mean... I just have concerns about both guys. If it's on the feet, I have concerns that Jordan Levitt's just going to lose. And if uh, Trey Ogden engages in grappling, I just have fears that he's going to leave his neck out there and, you know, get choked out. It happened against Thomas Gifford twice. And, uh, you know, I think that Thomas Gifford really didn't perform the best in the UFC. I didn't think that he was all that bad at all. I thought that he has some skills, definitely. And, um, you know... You lose to a guy via via guillotine, and then in the rematch, lose to a guy via guillotine again. And I'll tell you what, Trey Ogden's submission defense is what scares me in this situation. And it's going to make Jordan Levitt as an appealing underdog that could, if in a win, score well because it's a submission win. Now, I think that the longer the fight goes, Trey Ogden probably would be the better fighter because he could you know, keep it on the feet, have a good game plan coming from a strong camp. I just really don't like this fight, and it just seems like volatility on both sides. It's hard to to back either one of these guys. I'm gonna go with with your guy Trey Ogden, just if this stays on the feet. But I I probably won't have much exposure to either side. I just feel like they're gonna just negate each other, and it's gonna be a horrible fight. 
So if anyone uh, listened to my podcast that came out uh, yesterday, I had Trey Ogden on. Uh, he, he predicted a second-round submission victory. I think the likelihood is, is that this is either someone's getting submitted or we got a 15-minute decision. I do think if Trey Ogden takes this fight to the ground in top position, I think he has an advantage. I mean, Levitt, you know, we've seen some scrambling abilities out of him here. Um, I mean, look, volatility, no question about it. You know, the pro- my thing with Jordan Levitt is, I mean, how much have the striking skills evolved since the last time we've seen him? And can he get the fight to the ground? To me, yeah. I, I understand exactly where you're coming from in this one. Uh, also, um, one of the things that uh, Trey told me uh, that uh, we were co- we were talking about some about you know submission, knocking somebody out. Would you rather you know your opponent tap or or you know against like submission or you know TKO where the the ref comes in? And he goes he goes well actually he goes I'd rather just leave the dead body where the guy passes out from the submission. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, choking somebody out's fun. Um, but I, I'll tell you what, why that's like a red flag to me. And I might just like completely be changing my mind because you said that he just said he's going to submit Jordan Levitt. Why even go down there? Like why if Jordan Levitt's good at anything, it's that he's he's a pretty okay. talented right. submission guy. Pete. I know, but even this. saying I've been, that I've been, I've been doing this for a long time. Fighters lie in interviews. Yeah, but why would you even say that though? Like that's like that's not even mind games. I think that's just stupidity. Because uh, I mean he he flat out said I, it, translation of what he said in the interview, he thinks Jordan Levitt sucks. He thinks Jordan think, Levitt's not on his level. But I think that he could be overlooking him and get guillotined similar to how like Thomas Gifford did. I'm changing my pick. I'm the show. I'm changing my pick. I don't like how he said that. I'm going with Jordan Levitt to spoil it. Look, this is my the the one thing I would say about Jordan Levitt is I mean, look, you know, every fighter is going to evolve, fight in the fight out, but he is just one of those guys that I think he rushed to get to the UFC. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, same with Chase Hooper, right? Like Chase Hooper was not UFC ready at all, no. and uh, and they and they tried to do development deal, and you still saw what kind of happened. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I mean, that's a red flag for me. I'm going Jordan Levitt via sub. But all in all, I just hate the fight. I mean, look, it's volatile. I mean, plain and simple, it's volatile. Uh, next up, we got a match between Nunez and Hughes. Nunez, 8,900. Hughes, 7,300. Could you sell me on Sam Hughes in this one? Because I just I can't click that name. I don't know, man. I think the only way that I could sell you on Sam Hughes is if she upped her volume um, and just like maybe incorporated some takedowns. I, I think that she's pretty hittable. And the other way that I could sell you on Sam Hughes is possible because she's had three UFC fights uh, compared to Estela Nunez's one fight in the UFC. And it's like, yeah, well, she fought three times in the UFC, so maybe she'll be better. I don't necessarily know about that. I think that Estela Nunez priced that high is pretty crazy, but I think it's largely due to Sam Hughes just, you know, not looking good. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, Estela Nunez surrounded by a strong camp, I think that she could, you know, outstrike her on the feet. Um, this is another fight where I don't necessarily have all that interest in, if I'm being honest, as far as like DFS, if I had to pick one side, obviously I'd be picking Estela Nunez. I am, I'm picking her to win. I just feel like Sam Hughes will get decisively beaten for 15 minutes. Could be a little bit of a leverage spot potentially with Nunez based on ownership. Could be. Yeah. 
you know, if you're, you, you know, because that's, I mean, look, that's one of the things I always do uh, is sit there, look for those lever spots. Of course, one of the things that Pete and I love to see after the fights are those winning screenshots. We want to see you go into the Awesome Hall of Fame this week. Of course, you know what you got to be doing. Rock that Awesome Avatar on your DFS profile. Tweet your wins at Awesome HOF, and you can win a free month of Also Plus Platinum. All you got to do is finish in the top three of contests with over 5,000 contestants. Of course, you can only win that once. Per calendar year, congratulations there uh, to uh, Beaker going out there and winning $3,000 there in an NBA contest, taking down second place in a 20 max. 20 max are definitely a go-to for me. Also, I will uh, congratulate the boss man, Alex, taking down first place there in the NASCAR truck series. Of course, you got to check us out there on Sunday for Live for Lock, myself and Chris. Also, Alan taking down $10,000 in an NBA contest over there on FanDuel. Also, got some uh, FanDuel contest winners over there as well on the baseball side of the equation, Justin. Also, Hayden taking down an 11-leg parlay. Kudos to you with what you're able to do over there. That is absolutely nuts. I was I was listening to uh, uh, Anna Florian podcast, Yeah, and so I guess apparently... A guy that was on Ray Longo's flight uh, to Jacksonville, who might have been talking a little, little trash to him about Aljamain Sterling, you know, and down there, I guess apparently he had like a twelve leg parlay, ten of them on baseball, two of them were on the UFC card, had already hit all ten legs on the baseball. Wow, he had Volk and Peter, Peter Yon. Yon. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Peter Yon destroyed everybody's parlays. He really did, and uh, mine, mine included. Yeah, I mean, just oh man, just you, it's one of those things of you get to that point. If you hit 10 and you got two more, you might as well just cash out at that point. Yeah, I mean, some people let it ride, and I get it sometimes, but sometimes safe money is better than no money. So, yeah, apparently, it was like uh, to win a million dollars. History yeah, does not idiot? remember cash? cowards, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> If you uh, told yeah. me I can cash out for 200k, I'm just gonna. I'm, I'm. Yeah, bro, I'm out. <laughs> this this is the fight game. I've seen crazy stuff happen on fight days. I told you this, right? I had a seven or eight leg parlay, and I uh, was gonna win like between five or ten thousand dollars. I got on a smaller bet, but it was really nice. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was my final one, and he was my most confident. He was against Anthony Pettis, completely dusting him. All of a sudden, like round four, after Anthony Pettis was just getting destroyed or whatever it was, round three, Anthony Pettis throws a Superman punch and knocks out Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. I cried man tears. I cried man tears. So uh, <laughs> now it, it was uh, it was definitely a tilting experience. My buddy has a video of it. I was pissed. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, that's that's go to the fridge and just start drinking, Pete. That's all that is. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> drink, drink away your sorrows. Uh, of course, our opening matchup of the night. Uh, you got uh, Alatang taking on Kroom Alatang, eighty eight hundred. Kroom seventy four hundred. Uh, had had Kevin on a podcast this week. Uh, you know, I, I didn't take uh, get too much insight into his game plan on this one. I thought he was very uh, he was he was holding everything in on what his game plan is on this one. But to me, it, it's got to be about he's got he's got to keep this fight on the field. Yeah, so I actually have some interest in the underdog, um, but I will be picking uh, Haley Alatang to win the fight. But the reason I have some interest in Kevin Kroom is because that he can go to the takedown well as well. Uh, not to much success, but he can do it. 
And uh, he attempted 16 takedowns against Alex Caceres and lost decisively in a, in a decision. Um, outside of that, we haven't seen him have offensive takedowns, really. He only attempted one against Brian Kelleher. Kelleher was the, the better grappler in a situation like that. And uh, I do think that Kevin Kroon was having plenty of success on the feet against Brian Kelleher and looked like he was the better striker of the two. And his, his range is going to be a difference maker in this fight as well. Um, Haley Alatang supposedly is like this phenomenal accomplished Asian wrestler who hasn't really gone to the takedown well outside of his split decision win against the Ryan Benoit, where he went four of 13 takedown attempts. You would imagine that uh, training with fight ready would start to get back to his roots a little bit because I have heard great things about his, his, uh, his wrestling. And I think that you need to do that against Kevin Kroom. Uh, Kevin Kroom regionally didn't expect him to make it to the UFC. He did though. Props to him. Mm-hmm. Um, James Krause in his corner. I have, I'm sprinkling exposure to, to Kevin Kroom, but I feel like the cut to 135 might be a little bit too much for him. And Haley Alatang hits pretty hard, could push a pace and get takedowns. Haley Alatang might be one of the sneakiest spots on the card at 8,800. And I'll, I'll take my chances. Before we get into the uh, super chat there from Sam, let's go our straight up five picks. Main event, I'm going to go with the underdog, uh, Muhammad. Yeah, leaning, leaning uh, Muhammad. Uh, co-main event, who you got? I'm going to go with uh, Kyle Bahio. I will agree with you on that one. Baeza and Fialho, um, this is a tough one for me. I, I think this fight's closer than the odds, but I'll side with Baeza. Yeah, Baeza. I don't like it, though. Uh, I do like Silva against Yunnan. Silva, confidently. Uh, Sabatini, I, I'm with you on that one of him over Laramie. Sabatini. Laziz and Lusa, I'm going to go with the underdog here. I, I think I like what you were saying there earlier on the show. Yeah, I like Angelusa. Uh, Devin Clark, William Knight, I will go Devin Clark. Clark. Uh, I know we're both going to agree here on Penny Kianzad. Uh, I'm sure we're both going to agree here on Tricar Close. Yep, I like both of them. Uh, I will go with Jesse Ronson over Hoffa Garcia. Ronson. I will go Boudet over Barnett. Boudet. Uh, I guess we're going to disagree on this one. We Give are. me Trey Ogden. Love it. Turn the TV off. Turn the TV off. <laughs> I think you, you you must watch. You must watch. Uh, I will take Nunez against Hughes. Nunez, yeah. And I like Alatang against Kroom. I'll go Alatang as well. Uh, mentioned uh, the super chat from uh, Samuel earlier. Uh, his first off is over under six and a half on finishes. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say under. It's a good line. Ooh. You're very counting. I'm shooting from the hip. I'm saying under. I think he, I, I, I was just going. I was going through. I, I think I've got six that I feel like have a good chance to end by finish. Yes, Sam, my boy. I will say I had a lot of decisions last week. You're gonna say it's a crazy week. I say crazy week. Give me the over. Okay. Smaller cage. You know. Yeah, um, that's good logic. You know, the other thing is, is, I mean, look, the Bellator card to me on tomorrow night's a much better card top to bottom than this one. So Agreed. these are usually the cards that kind of do uh, deliver their uh, top two cash, top GPPs. Uh, in terms of GPP plays. Um, well, top two cash for me. I think that close looks like a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I honestly like all the 9,000 options look like pretty good cash. The GPP ones that stick out are close and Sabatini because of finishing upside. Yeah, no question about that. Um, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really looking at that Baez a field fight in GPPs just because of, you know, I could very easily see someone getting knocked out of that one past 17. I think is another interesting play there in GPP favorite inside the distance fight. So I'll just start labeling some of these out. Uh, Levitt, uh, Ogden, Boudet, Barnett, Close Jenkins, Baeza, Fiejo, and those would be my top ones. Yeah, I would agree with the fi- uh, the former two. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, upsets and fade of the night, um, I don't see myself getting to a ton of Nunez and Hughes. Um, I won't, I won't exit out, but I'm just going to very much limit exposure there. Um, and then... Silva, you know, is probably another one I'm going to limit exposure to. I like the Silva side uh, just because I don't think that Yanon's all that good. But, um, yeah, I would agree with you that my least favorite is definitely the uh, the Nunez and um, Sam Hughes fight. Looking about top optimal plays, um, man, the Jakar the, close, if that thing goes three rounds, he could rack up a ton of takedowns if he, he goes that route. He definitely could. Um, I think the main event's interesting, too. We got pretty cheap prices for both of them. So they make them like GPP commodities. It's just, do they smash? Like, do they score well? Sure. Do they smash? Not necessarily sure about that. Of course, uh, we'll be back here on Saturday, live before lock, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Pete, I'm playing a, in a golf tournament that morning, so hopefully I don't get too sunburned. Oh, my God. <laughs> may, not, may not have to put the lights on here in the studio. I got, a, uh, I got, a, I got a women's self-defense uh, seminar at my gym, so... Hopefully I don't get put in the suit. We put people, we put somebody in the suit and we do a whole seminar and the women beat the absolute hell out of the guy in the suit. So hopefully okay. I'm not the guy in the suit. You're kind of like the guy who runs the facility. Should yeah. you have like the choice who goes, goes in the suit? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. But sometimes people, you know, <clears throat> I'm, I'm sick. I'm calling out. I'm not showing up. I, somebody's got to get in the suit. So if I, somebody's got to get in the suit, I'm throwing myself on the line. Like, I feel like there's only one person who could, would have leverage over you, you know, that'd be senior. We, we ain't putting senior in the, we ain't putting senior in. The <laughs> no, suit. but I feel like senior would say, Hey, junior, you're going in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he don't, he wouldn't even have to say, I, I would definitely put my body on the line first, but hopefully the people that are supposed to be in the suit show up. If not, I'm going to pick somebody randomly in okay. this chat and they're definitely going to go in it. Maybe Tyler, how, we'll put Tyler hot? in the suit. Yeah, show How up to watch Pete uh, at his gym get choked out by 20-year-old college chicks tonight. It's going to be a great <laughs> performance. Follow him on Twitter. He'll post live updates. Uh, absolutely. How much do you sweat in that suit, by the way? Oh, this suit is crazy. It's it's like... It's, it's a workout on its own, huh? Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. But, of course, we'll be here on Saturday live before lock. Of course, uh, be sure to keep it locked here at Osmo all day long. Come up here later on today, 5 o'clock Eastern time. We have got MLB deeper diving straight for tonight's MLB slate. So let's go wrap it up for this edition of the Osmo MMA Strategy Show. We will talk to you on Saturday for Live Before Lock. Have a good day, everybody. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. 
Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.